Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome back to the Kings Country Podcast. Uh, trade deadline has come and gone. And uh, there is a new player. And there is one player who is no longer a member of the Carolina Hurricanes. There's one trade. Fairly significant. I mean, meh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when it's the one trade you make, it, it is, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, relative to the trades they didn't make, it was pretty significant. Yeah. Um, this is the Canes Country Podcast. My name's Brett Finger. I'm joined by Andrew Schnicker and Ryan Henkel. How are you guys doing? Doing well. My, uh, my Kansas City Royals are continuing their uh, tour de force over the 2021 <laughs> Major League Baseball season. So it's a great time to be alive. I heard, Andrew, that they were going to lose another game. They might not. It's possible. For a while, I thought the Braves would never win another game. Acuna, Acuna would just it's bat been, like yeah. 700, and they would just lose every single game. It's been rough. I hate to be that guy, but a lot of bad luck is factoring into these uh, early games. But it's still very early. This is a 162. It's not a 60. A 5-8 and eight start isn't that bad. You know, Brett, the Carolina Hurricanes actually had pretty bad luck on their own to start this week. Was it luck or was it um... Monday wasn't luck? That was that was just. Bad. I think they played good enough to win the first game against Detroit. Like it wasn't pretty, but like they were scoring sure. goals and like the goals that were going in. Were, it was like, really the Detroit second just... one. That second game was the ugly. second one was not luck. Definitely not that one. You would have been lucky if you weren't watching it. That's the only luck that would have been. Can, yep, indeed. Involved. So instead of talking about that, let's talk about the trade. Because I don't want to talk about those games right now. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about the the farewell to Hayden Flurry. He goes to Anaheim literally at like 3.15 on deadline day. I thought it was over. Andrew caught me tweeting a, a, a joke tweet. He called me out for tweeting trade deadline more like trade flatline i also thought it was over yeah Very i much. think we all got caught i think andrew said what a boring trade deadline yeah. i tweeted out a thing a picture of like trades well, like okay. how it happens my boring trade deadline was just in reference to the whole day around the league especially because like the taylor hall trade got made Sunday night and a couple other deals got made Sunday night. So like relative to some of the past trade deadlines yeah. that we've seen, there really was very little happening on the actual day of the deadline. Yeah. Half as many trades this year compared to last year. I believe it was 16 this year, 33 last year, but yeah, it, it was definitely a lot slower for a lot of obvious reasons, of course. Um, but at like three fifteen, out comes the trade that, uh, I think it's Elliot Freeman tweeted just uh, randomly at like 3.15, 3.20, Hayden Fleury's going to Anaheim. And you're like, oh boy, is it Josh Manson? Did they actually do it? Ricard Raquel? Was it Ricard, Ricard Raquel? Raquel? Oh my God. 
Uh, no, it, it was neither of those players. It was said, instead the household name Yanni Hakampa and a sixth-round pick in the draft. What was, what was y'all's initial reaction to, to Flurry for Hakampa? Well, at first, I, w- I was just a little bit surprised in general at first that they traded Flurry, especially because it was funny. I, after the Hurricanes morning skate on Monday, I specifically asked Rod Brindamore if the lineup on the blue line was yeah. going to be the same from Saturday's game. And he said that Hayden Flurry was going to play and Jake Bean was going to sit. But, um, no, I don't think it surprises me greatly. Um, you knew that they wanted kind of a right shot defenseman to balance out their pairs and also a guy, you know, kind of a shutdown guy with some snarl to pair with one of their offensive defensemen, which Hawk and Pa, and we can get into this more, is certainly that. Um, and I, I think, too, with Hayden Flurry, I think he just needed a fresh start somewhere he could get a little bit bigger role. You know, he showed some ability he showed I, I kind of liked what, how you put it in your story that you did breaking down the trade Brett is Hayden Flurry doesn't really have that one thing that he's really really good at which you kind of want in a third pairing defenseman he's kind of a jack of all trades master of none um you know good skater but doesn't make a ton of plays in the offensive zone big but do, it you know aside from the bubble against Boston last year not super physical uh, and ha- and Hockenpah does. He brings that. He's a big guy. He can he can hit. I think he's what third in the NHL and hits. Yeah, he'll he'll block shots. He can, as I said, really anchor uh, pairing with either Jake Gardner or Jake Bean. Um, so yeah, no, not really all that surprising that they made this type of move. It it, it was surprising in the fact that I had never heard of Yanni Hockenpah <laughs> until Monday, and um, I don't think I'm alone in that on this podcast or elsewhere around uh Canesland but no I mean I mean the more you look at it I I think it was a good move for the Hurricanes yeah Andrew I was gonna say like my initial reaction when I saw the return it was like Yanni Hockepon is six round pick I was like oh I was like <laughs> I guess they got a right-handed defenseman and I just kind of like shrugged like I because I I that's the kind of like the bane of like playing your own division this year like Yanni Hockball played, I think, six games last season, and then he's played, like, the 40 games this season in the NHL. I had just never really heard of him. I just had yeah, no um, clue. Because, like, uh, when I when I, I tweet about it, and someone tweeted at me, and they were like, they're trading Hayden Flurry for a guy that hasn't played and hasn't established himself in the league. He's He's spent nine years. He's not even in the league. And... I think it's just like people don't know, and I was like, he's played three hundred more minutes than Flurry this year. <laughs> I mean, he's 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 fine, I, and uh, you know, it, yeah, it, it's it's re- it was it's fun. I think you make a really good point about the divisions playing a factor, and like you know, the very understandable like not knowing the player. Yeah, because like my initial reaction was just like, oh defensive swap I was like Hayden wasn't playing so I mean like guess he was the expendable and I was just kind of like shrugging but like the more I like learned about him like saw some clips of him saw like his size his familiarity apparently with Ajo is in the amount of hits he'd had I was like oh he actually seems to fit the bill perfectly wow this seems like a really good trade I I, I knew of Hawk and Paw before the trade but I didn't know much about him uh, and then 
you know, it doesn't take much. Yeah, you know, like you said, it doesn't take a lot of a lot of research on his game to figure out what he's all about. Uh, if you look at literally, just look at a single heat chart, heat map of Hockenpah, and you will get the gist. Uh, no goals are scored when he's on the ice for any team, and you know when you, you're when you're looking for a guy who can anchor a pairing with Jake Bean or Jake Gardner, that's exactly what you're looking for, right? I mean, you're looking for someone who can essentially play the, uh, I guess, strong safety. Like, you're you're putting them all the way back, and you're like, okay, keep it together. No no fly routes by you, all right? You know, I think that's, that's what he did in Anaheim this year with Cam Fowler. Uh, that pairing was, for much of the year, their best defensive pairing. You know, I think he has one point in 47 games or something, but he and Fowler were Anaheim's most productive defensive pairing in terms of on-ice goals for, and they were a positive in goal distribution for and against when they were on the ice. And Anaheim is terrible. They are awful. They're the worst team in the league in terms of expected goals, and Hockenpah and Fowler were above 50% in that regard. So... It all makes sense. You know, he blocks shots. I think he was 30th or so in the NHL in blocked shots. Obviously, he was third in, uh, in hits. So it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Well, I think if you look at the two main, you know, I'm not, not going to call them big moves. I mean, they're big moves in that, that the only trades the Hurricanes have made. You bring in Hockenpah, and then you had the earlier trade where you brought in Cedric Paquette. I mean, I think it's very clear. Um, what the Hurricanes were trying to do in terms of adding a little bit more size and physicality to their lineup. And I think it's the perfect way to do it um, because a lot of times when you have teams that have gotten pushed around by a physical team, um, like the Boston Bruins, the way the Hurricanes have in the past couple playoffs, you'll, you see an overreaction of like, you know, you don't want to add a bunch of... Got to get Milan Lucic... Well, that, yeah, that's what I mean. But like adding some like bottom half of the roster role players who can go out there and give you 10-ish minutes a night and throw the body around and, you know, make sure that you're not, you know, you're giving what you get in terms of physicality, but you're also not taking away from that speed and skill at the top half of your lineup. I, I think that's a perfectly, I think that's a perfect way to accomplish that. I think about like the Penguins. The Penguins just like, like Ryan past Reeves. five years, Ryan Reeves, they gave a That's, first round pick was, for him. Yeah. I remember they went That's and got Jamie Alexiak. They went and got Jamie Alexiak to like, cause they were like Tom Wilson had just been running around. And like the first game they play against each other, like Jamie Alexiak and Tom Wilson get a fight and Tom Wilson just crushes him. And they trade Alexiak like a few days later. It was something like crazy like that. But like, yeah, it's like the overreaction to like toughness. It's like you want to bring it in, but you want to bring in a, a player that can play a role while also being tough physically. I think like you, like you both said, I mean, it was important for them to, to fill that role, but to keep in mind that this is a third pairing defenseman on your team. This player is not going to outplay Pesci or Hamilton. And, you know, that's why the thing with, you know, Josh Manson was very publicly uh, someone that Carolina looked into, but, their asking price for that player was absurd. So, I mean, it just didn't make sense. Uh, giving up a first-round pick and a prospect for Josh Manson on its face was not worth it. 
um, he's not worth that much anymore. If this was like four years ago, then, then sure, maybe. But now he isn't. And especially when you put into or take into account that he would be third on the depth chart among right-handed defensemen. So you don't need to give up uh, serious assets. Uh, and that's not a slight to Hayden Fleury, but that's a, just a fact of the matter. Like Hayden Fleury's value as a trade asset isn't nearly what it is or what it was when he was drafted as a first-round pick. So the long... I guess, 10 year, seven years almost of Hayden Fleury as a member of the Hurricanes organization uh, in some capacity has come to an end. And it feels like they got a player who they could really use. And even last night, he laid a big hit on Marcus Granlin. And you could, I mean, it, it was right after that that Carolina got rolling. It felt like after that hit from Hockenpah. So, what he brings is is definitely like tangibly important. Yeah, it was funny. I I um I tweeted this out, but where we our Canes Country seat is on Press Row, you're kind of like in front and diagonal a little bit from where like yeah. the Canes injured and and when he threw that hit, it's it's not like like you like I said, you wouldn't have heard it if you weren't as close to them as I were. They weren't like hooping and hollering mm. up there, but there was definitely a little bit of a like an oh okay like a little bit of a stir when he threw that hit you don't build a team around physicality anymore but you you definitely acquire those pieces to to complement the top end skill that you have and that's what the hurricanes have done so obviously one night with hawking pond the lineup uh, a 4-1 win so what more could you possibly ask for except for a 5-1 win an 8-1 win i mean an 8-1 win i mean we can play this game if we want 15-1 <laughs> win uh, 69 to one win. I mean, nice. Uh, you can't get better than that. So that's it. That's, uh, the, actually, that's, yeah. that's the ultimate one. Yep. So that's last, so we'll circle back to, um, what was two great hockey games against the Red Wings before the trade deadline. Um, Boy. I've spent like the after, but yeah, I, I mean, so, so here's here's the thing. Uh, before last night, or I guess including last night, the Hurricanes are twenty five and ten against teams in the S- Discover Central Division that are not the ne- the Detroit Red Wings. Twenty five and ten. That's really good. Um, against the Red Wings, they are three and four, and they are the only team in the Central Division that the Hurricanes have a losing record to, more losses than wins. Uh, it's not Tampa, it's not Florida, it's not Chicago, it's not even Columbus, who I hate watching, and it feels like they never get a great deal with them. But they're above 500 against Columbus, and not Detroit, who, have they won three or four straight head-to-head against Carolina? Because I feel like... uh, I think it's it's three because they they lost that that one in in Detroit. The one they lost the one in Detroit to end their eight game winning streak, but part of their eight game winning streak was the uh, the Svechnikov bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and and even that game, they didn't play that well, but they won. No, no. it was just an example of their skill outweighing Detroit's. So they only have one game left this season against Detroit. So if we're looking for uh, 
bright sides. Uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, they just. They, I mean, I mean, look. Obviously, the Hurricanes didn't play well Monday, and you can, and they refused to use this as an excuse. And I don't think you can. But there was obviously a lot going on that day between the deadline and the Jordan Stall thousandth game. Rod Brindamore actually got asked about this this morning because um, the Detroit's. It's not just the Hurricanes. Like Detroit's beaten Tampa. They've beaten um, Florida. Florida. And he was asked about it, and he he said, you know, you. I mean, like, it's not that teams overlook them. It's just, you know, these are good players at NHL team and they're going to work hard. And two, he said, you know, that he's been in that situation where you've got a team kind of playing down the stretch, really not playing for anything standing was wise, but you're playing for pride and you've got guys playing for jobs and you're playing loose because you have nothing to lose. I mean, how many times have we seen in the past a bad Hurricanes team? going down the stretch and beat playing loose and playing well and winning a bunch of games and beating good teams. I mean, hell that them, their propensity to do that is part of the reason they missed the playoffs nine years in a row, but, um, and didn't get a top five pick any (laughs) exact and needed the, a stroke of a lightning bolt in the lottery to get Andrei Svechnikov. But I, I think that's, you know, that's part of what I think we could be seeing too, with these games against Detroit. Um, what was the year where the Hurricanes were very clearly out of the playoffs and then they won like 10 games in a row in like it was, six, yeah it was like it I was think, it 16 I think it was 17 17 they, they so. went on like a 13 game yeah. point streak yeah. yeah and yeah. got to within like four point I think like four points of a playoff spot with like yes. a week and a half or two weeks left and you're kind of like eyeball emojis and then of course they lost a couple in a row but yeah that was um that, that i was, remember that yeah. was well, that was um i think jeff skinner oh <laughs> skinner was so good that andrew uh disconnected <laughs> from the andrew. skype call it would appear Jeff Skinner's performance down the stretch and Carolina's performance down the stretch. If that was 2017, um, their performance led straight into the Hurricanes selecting Martin Natchez in that draft. So, I mean, it could be worse. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up here. No, you're correct. That would that because I remember I um I was at that draft. So yeah, so they won. They got points in thirteen straight games, and then proceeded to lose five straight after that. So like, if they could have kept that going, they actually might have made the playoffs. Like that that like miracle run might have actually worked. They finished with eighty seven points, and that was after they lost five straight games. I mean, if they win a handful of those games. Then I mean, who knows? Maybe they get like 93, 95 points and they make the playoffs. Who knows? Uh, but it worked out because uh, Martin Natchez was there at number 11 or 12 overall. I think it was 11. Um, yeah, so it all worked out. But got, Kane's got their little sugar boo. They, yeah. Yeah. That was so. That was so uncomfortable when um, 
Mike Salarte, who's a good friend of ours, asked Andre Svechnikov yeah. that question, and Svech was like, "What?" <laughs> Sugargate, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, responsible for that. <laughs> Let's go back to just a moderate level of bad in these games <laughs> against Detroit. They were bad. Uh, you know, Jordan Stahl plays his 1,000th game. It's a great ceremony. You, you're you're like, oh, yeah, this is great. He deserves it so much. Uh, we all love Jordan Stahl. Um, the Hurricanes didn't love him on that night, though. And a lot of people were making the joke that, that it was a real tribute to Jordan Stahl that they played like shit, and they were awful. Um, going back Not- to his early days with the yeah. team where he had no help. Um, and he was one of the few uh, good players on the, some pretty uh, horrendous, horrendously mediocre teams. So it was, it was a good tribute. Yeah. His first like three years, especially were, I, I don't even want to talk about it. So let's not, <laughs> let's not talk about it. We've, We've talked, talked about, about the yeah, for one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe next week we'll talk about it more. Um, it feels like we always talk about it to some degree every week. Um, so we'll save more for next week. Tune in for that. <laughs> but, it's like therapeutics. Yeah, exactly. So, but they did bounce back. The, the, the game against Nashville, a pretty weak start. Um, you expected more, I think, coming off of two rough losses to a bad team and then getting a couple days off. You get the new guy in the lineup, and then the first period was pretty bad. Um, Nashville was definitely out pacing Carolina in a lot of uh, areas, but late in the first period, they get the first goal, and then that kind of springboarded them to a pretty convincing win as they they kind of took it to him in the second period built a lead and protected it pretty well i mean yeah. I, I wouldn't Go say ahead. the canes were necessarily like too bad i think the canes were playing like you know they're playing like not great but like they were competing i think i think this national team we we're just like really seeing them like come together they had won like 13 out of their last 16 games yeah they had just shellacked tampa bay 7-2 like, i think this tan uh, this national team's like kind of getting their stuff together. And I mean, that's that's honestly the best I've seen Hall of play in like a year and a half at PNC Ice. Yeah, since October of last season. <laughs> yeah. Like he he looked like he actually wanted to compete out there. <laughs> he yeah, I mean I th- I think the first period was is like you said like they didn't look they didn't look lethargic like they almost did on Monday, but they they just looked a little out of sync. But then you get that really nice goal for Warren Fogel late in the period on that hustle and pass across from Jordan Stahl, and that kind of got everything going. Um, now, other big development in that game, uh, 14 seconds into that second period, mm-hmm. Andrei Svechnikov scores a really nice goal, gets a transition pass from Dougie Hamilton and beats Saros on the backhand. And uh, Brett, I know you posted a gif of his celebration, but it was almost like you could see he looked relieved to score that goal. And heard Rod Brindamore talk over and over again about how much pressure he puts on himself, 
Uh, there was the video I put out that went viral after that one game of him out on the ice practicing his shooting. So hopefully that's the one that kind of loosens him up and opens the floodgates and really gets him going because I think I don't think the Hurricanes are going anywhere in the next month once the playoffs get started without a full go Andrei Svechnikov. Yeah. Um, that's Yeah, that was huge. Um, he's been really fighting it recently. Um, so to see him get a goal that, you know, it wasn't like a deflection or like it kind of bounced off of him. And then like, I think his last goal was that when Shea kind of threw it at the net in Chicago and it bounced off of him. And then, I mean, it's a goal, but I don't think that does much in the way of your confidence when you're not like actually scoring a goal, you know? And you see a goal from Svetch where he's darting in, taking a pass, splitting the D, putting a backhander. Like, it was a great goal. And I think that does, that actually starts to move the needle a little bit for him, I would imagine. Uh, I'm not in the NHL. I don't know for sure. Um, so, uh, Wait, hope, what? Yeah, I know. I, I know this is probably shocking to everyone, but I am not in the NHL. So I don't know. But, I would assume that that does more to to build confidence than just a fluky bouncing goal. Um, so that was great. And, I mean, after that, I mean, he almost murdered um, Matthias Ekholm. That was... he, he took Matthias Ekholm for a bit of a ride around the Nashville net. Um, he was just bodying him with, like, little effort. <laughs> Matthias Eckholm's so, a big guy. <laughs> so that's the uh, yeah. I mean, for to, for to go out there and ragdoll Matthias Eckholm, you've got to have some strength. Matthias Eckholm is six four two fifteen, and I mean, Svechnikov was very clearly just like bodying him. And Svech is what like six two one ninety five. Yeah, I mean, Svech is a big guy, but not he's not built like some of those defensemen. He's not built like a Yanni Hockenpa or a... You people on the face of this earth are built like a Yanni Hockenpa. Yeah. So let's just talk about him now. I mean, I believe everyone who was asked about Yanni Hockenpa after the game said that he is big. And you know, like, uh, yeah, I I agree. I believe Vincent Trocek used the phrase massive body. There you go. Massive body. <laughs> um, I believe Rod said he gets in the way. <laughs> um, so they're, they're, you know, same genre of compliment. Um, large is a disruptor, hits things. Um, so yeah, pretty much large. everything. Large is pretty much all the things that you would have expected. And, uh, he, I mean, he looked good. Watching him, it's tough to kind of like be like, oh, he was great. Oh, he was not good or whatever. I, I thought he was perfectly fine in in a debut game. He made a couple of good plays along the goal line. He was physical. He had his first shot on goal with the Hurricanes. Uh, Jacob Slavin passed it to him, and he was like a deer in headlights with the Nashville player. Uh, skating towards him right in front of Morazic. So he just shot it 180 feet down the ice right on uh, UC Soros. 
So a milestone moment for him there. Um, <laughs> he'll remember that one forever. Yes, uh, he'll he'll uh, he'll put a picture of that on his wall, and it's I'm sure. In the puck. Yeah. <laughs> do you think the Kane, do you think the Canes like had a like a custom painting made of Yanni Hakapa's first and first shot with the team? Did they did they frame it like they did with Svechnikov's first goal? Yeah, um, did Tom Dundon give it to him in the locker room after? Yeah. I guess, you you were there that night, right, Brett? I yeah. Thought. Yeah. Um, man, that feels like forever ago. <laughs> yeah, that feels like a different life. Yeah, that's that's just that's another time in history. That that New York game that was like an eight five game. That was insane. That was a crazy ass game. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we all thought Fogel was going to be the next. Big goal scored too. He was off to a great start. And speaking of Fogel, he's he's looking good recently. He April scored Fogel, man. It's April. That means Warren Fogel is is engaged and he is here. He scored last night. He almost scored again. He he picked the pocket of a Nashville forward on the back check and then he took it, split the D, got a chance. Saros made a blocker save. Um He's looking more and more like the guy that the Hurricanes need him to be. At the perfect, like I said, at the perfect time of year, too. Yeah. I mean, they have what? Playoff like, folks. They have 13, 14, 14 games left. Yeah. So, 14, they're officially three quarters of the way through. So, yeah, that's huge. And they, if Fogel can be a guy for them, then that would be huge. Um, they need someone. Indeed, fourteen games left. Like it's like this season feels like it's like you're like wow, this has been a long season. But then you're like they've played like forty some games. You're like this would be half of a normal season. Yeah, I, it's just my entire so sense weird. of normal is totally gone. I don't know what a normal NHL season is when they play eighty two next year. I'm gonna have no idea. Hopefully, they hoping they play eighty two. I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea. They play idea. 82 and there's actually like frequent like two days off or even three days off. Yeah. They're not playing. They'll like have a bye week. Five games a week. Well, they'll have the bye week. I think if everything goes according to plan. Yeah. Moving on to, to injury developments. So Brock McGinn got hurt. We don't know exactly what it is. From replays, it looked like it, he hurt like an oblique or something based on how he was reacting. Uh, that's wild speculation. Uh, we don't know, but he's still a ways away, and he hasn't returned to practice yet. But Teo Teravainen has. This was big news today on Friday. So Tavo Teravainen was on the ice with the Hurricanes practicing in a white jersey. No longer is he in a yellow jersey. He is in a white jersey. He took a line rush with Sebastian Ajo and Andre Svechnikov. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, we are getting close. It's about that time, everyone. Um, obviously, he's probably a few practices away, but that's huge. I mean, it's – it's it's. Ryan, you wrote about it yesterday. It is bigger than any trade than th- that they could have made is getting Terramine back. There's yeah, there's no like trade deadline move you can make that's as big as like having a player like Tavo Teravainen, a first line winger who plays 
like a selkie level defensive game, like an underrated level defensive game, all three zones. Like there's no move you can make that like equates to getting a player like him to come back. Like you think of how well the hurricanes have been doing without him. Think of what the hurricanes could have been with him and couldn't still be. If he like, he's really this close to returning. Yeah. Ryan's story. If you guys haven't read it, I highly recommend checking it out. It's a really good, um, Reminder, I think, because I think there's, you know, it's natural, I think, with as little as he's played this year, but, and as well as the Hurricanes have done, but it's, I think there's been some forgetting of just how impactful Tavo Teravainen can be when he's in the lineup and at full go, just in all three zones and on the power play. It's like, like you said in the story, it's almost kind of like, too, that ripple effect across the lines, like, like having Vincent Trocek in there, but, um, yeah, you know, I didn't love the fact that with not adding a forward, especially with kind of the uncertain nature yeah. of this whole Teravinen situation, that the Hurricanes were basically hitching their wagon to getting Tervo Teravinen back and banking on it. Uh, Dom Waddell did sound pretty optimistic about him on Monday when we talked to him, and I guess that was well-placed. But, I mean, with with what they did did or, I guess, didn't do at the trade deadline— the Hurricanes had to have this. They have to have Tavo Teravainen back, and they have to have fully effective Tavo Teravainen back come playoff time. And that's the other part I'm still leery of with, again, the nature of it, with coming off a concussion um, and missing so much time, how long that's going to take. And again, the fact that they're, again, re- really kind of banking on that, um, I think, because I don't think the Hurricanes go very far in the play, you know, doing what they've done in the regular season is one thing, but I don't think the Hurricanes have a chance in a seven-game series against, like, Tampa, Tampa Bay yeah. without a 100% Tavo Teravainen. But I think I think it's good now, too, though, that if he is maybe a few, you know, Brad Brindamore said he didn't know, it's kind of up to Tavo Teravainen in terms of getting a few practices under his belt and feeling comfortable. Um, but I think it's big too, you know, if they get him back with at least a handful of games left in the regular season to start getting him up to speed going into the playoffs. I think that's important. You don't want, um, you obviously wouldn't want the first game back for him to be in the playoffs. And it obviously, again, they don't know, but it seems pretty unlikely that that would be the case at this point since he's back to practice. Yeah. I mean, like he said, it feels like people have kind of forgotten how good he is. Um, it's like Eminem once said. Nowadays, everybody want to talk like they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move their lips. Just a bunch of gibberish and motherfuckers act like they forgot about Tavo Teravainen. And I got to agree with him on that. Um, it's really it's really disheartening to see people forget about Tavo Teravainen. So, yeah, it's, I think like the common thing, like, like you're like Tavo Teravainen, you're like, oh, he's so good at passing. He's just so like, oh my God, he just makes such good passes. And it's like, no, he... He has a great shot when when he decides to actually shoot. When he shoots it three times uh, every one, three times a every week, season. he has like a limit. Yeah. <laughs> like he has a wicked shot. Like, and, but like his defensive game, he's so good defensively. Maybe the like, most underrated like, defensive game in the league. Maybe you could honestly probably stick him on like a blue line on a team, and he could play regular defensive minutes. Like, the, and the hurt be better than Hayden Flurry. There's a lot of practices that, like the Canes will sometimes have Tavo put on the black jersey and play on defense. Yeah. Like he's so good at it. And like 
to have that. Like the Canes give up a lot of like odd man chances, and there's like a lot of neutral zone breakdowns as of late. Like Tavo Tervine can yeah. really put a band-aid on a lot of that stuff. And I think Trip Tracy's made this point a lot, but Tavo Teravainen is is like his on ice relationship with Dougie Hamilton is so important because when Dougie pinches, Tavo Teravainen is often the guy who is who notices that and and reads that play and gets back and lets Dougie go. So I I, I don't think like. And that's the thing with Carolina. Like it's it's such an it's not just like the forwards and the defensemen. It's such an important five man group, and having Tavo Teravine on the ice because he's just so cerebral and he's so aware of where everything and everyone is that he he's hugely important um, with how he plays his overall game, and he makes everyone on the ice with him better. That's just how it is. What I think you mentioned, you alluded to this in your story too, Ryan, but I think this could be part of the answer for getting Svechnikov going too, is him playing with Tavo Teravine, and especially if they reunite that big line. Um, right now, because right now recently, I mean, Jesper Faust has been playing with Sebastian Ajo and Andre Svechnikov, and no disrespect to him, because I think he's done as well as he can in that situation, but that's just not the role you want him playing and defenders don't have to spend extra attention on yes for Foss. They can lock in on Ajo and Svechnikov. Well, if you've got Tavo Teravainen out there too, you, you've kind of got to pick your poison. And yeah, I think that just it, yeah. really helps. Yeah, exactly. No, we, there's a reason that line is, was so effective last year. And I think um, without getting too much into the weeds here, but I think when Tavo Teravainen, does come back and is really ready to go i would really like to see a top six that's that sat line and then uh second line of that niederreiter trocek and natchez line we've seen it's been so effective this year i was just looking through like your vast gif library brett of all the games <laughs> goals from like seasons past and like just like going through some of those old like tic-tac-toe plays with like the sat line i was the, like rewatching. Goal, I, was, like, I was like god i think he was against new jersey where yeah. yeah, it was like Svetch entered the zone, dropped to Aho, cross ice to Teravine, and one touch to the goal line to Svechnikov. It was just like those three are like like they're different. Like they're just different players. And, and you can Yeah. And the thing is too, with with the addition of Trocek and the way he's played and the emergence of Natchez and Nino bouncing back. You can do that. You can load up the top line, and it's it's not going to hurt. You. It's not going to make you too top heavy. You're going to have two really good scoring lines. And you know, if you have that first line, then you have Trocheck, Niederreiter, Natchez, and then you have a third line. Uh, all of a sudden, Warren Fogel is playing really well, and Jordan Saul is going to center that line. And Jasper Fast has been a really good fit. Quietly, he I think he's been a great fit and exactly what they wanted from him uh brock mcginn has played great like brock mcginn's having his best season maybe of his career he's having a seriously impressive season um with his metrics and 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 how he has performed and you start to really like the way this forward lineup uh rounds out and you know you you have to be pretty content with that 
if if you're Carolina, if you get Teravinen back and, and he's playing well. Um, would it have been nice to go get someone at the deadline? I think so. I think, Andrew, you, you and I were both on the same page with that. But I think last week we were probably both under the – before really recently, I, I, I thought it was entirely possible that Teravinen didn't play again this season or yeah, postseason. I, I, I thought that was well within the realm of possibility, if not more likely than not. Um, so this is huge. And if they get him back, then he is better than any deadline acquisition. Yeah. I, th- I think the one caveat with the kind of that whole forward lineup, which w- would be a really good forward lineup that we just described would be that that presumes full health exactly for everyone. And it's really hard to bank on being fully healthy the whole time in the playoffs, which was the other argument that we had for going out and getting some insurance there in terms of a top nine forward. But yeah, no, I, I think there's probably, I mean, hearing Waddell's comments Monday and obviously him being back tonight, I, I think they were probably more up. We're a little more certain about the fact that he would play again this season behind the scenes than they were letting on, which is completely understandable, especially again with something of this nature of concussion, post-concussion symptoms where you just don't know what each day is going to bring. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, like, like what you've said and like Ryan said, there's no move they could have made that would be even half, I think, the impact of what a fully healthy and full go Tavo Teravainen means for the Hurricanes. I mean, I even remember a couple of years ago when Jordan Stahl missed much of the year with a concussion and he came back and he, Played was, really well. he was huge. I mean, he was a huge, huge piece in Carolina finishing off the season and then having the postseason run that they had. I mean, he was a central figure in all of that. Um, that was the Eastern conference final yeah. year. Was it? Yeah. That was kudos to that team for like playing well for a lot of that second half with like Lucas Walmart as their second line center. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, a pretty remarkable run if, when you look back at it. Um, Greg McKegg. Greg McKegg. Like you look at that lineup, you're like, how did they do it? How how are they the best team in the East the second half of the season? How did that happen? <laughs> um, Digging in, baby. That was a time. Um, Victor Rasford, Nito Niederreiter. That's how. That's that's <laughs> very true. That's how that one happened. Um, before we get out of here, we have OHL season updates with Ryan Hankel. Ryan, take it away. Yeah, so there's, like, still lockdowns because, like, Canada's been having some more COVID issues. So the OHL season is going to be delayed again. So while it looked like, you know, Suzuki and Jameson Reese were going to go back to play in the OHL, because keep in mind, they're not technically normally allowed to be playing in the AHL yet because they're not old enough. They're supposed to be junior-level hockey players. They're going to get some more time to be playing in the AHL with, you know, that better competition, which I think is really good for their development. Uh, Suzuki's got five goals, five assists, 10 points in uh, 20 games. Reese has five goals, four assists, uh, 19 points, uh, nine points in 19 (laughs) games. And it's like, you saw like, you know, you see a player like Jarvis was like really lighting it up, but like, you know, he's a special case, but like, this is, I think this is really good development. Like Suzuki and Reese, they like this extra time here of, Better competition, you know, the Carolina coaching staff in the organization where they know 
what they want to see from these players, where they want to see them go. I think this is like really beneficial for Carolina that the OHL is going to be delaying. And so it, Suzuki and Reese should be around for uh, some, probably the rest of the AHL season, potentially. One one note on the Wolves, too, and the Hurricanes' top prospects, not to take anything away from uh, Ryan's update here, but if you guys want more uh, regular updates, both in your Twitter feed and in your stories, I highly recommend reading the weekly updates from our Chicago Wolves correspondent, Sarah Avampato, and following her on Twitter, at Right Said Sarah. She tweets about the Wolves a lot. She, Sarah does great work for us, yeah. does great work covering the Wolves and updating on all things Chicago Wolves, so definitely recommend giving her a follow if you currently are not. Yeah, don't go to me for anything Chicago was related. Go straight to her. <laughs> I think that's it. I think that's all we got for for this week's podcast. Guys, where can the people follow you on Twitter? Andrew, Twitter only, Twitter at a s c h n i t t five three, and Ryan at r y a n h e n k e l underscore. You can follow me at Brett Finger on Twitter. You can follow Canes Country at Canes Country. Uh, you can follow Canes Country on Instagram at Canes Country Picks, P-I-X. You can follow slash subscribe to the Canes Country podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can listen to the Canes Country podcast. We are we are down the stretch. We're getting close to being down the stretch of, of the hockey season. And we'll be here and we'll be talking about it. And we'll continue to do so next week. Have a good week. Enjoy the hockey. Goodbye.